Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy and guest co-host Sal Licata. Yeah, Pete and Sal back together again. It's been, been a, while. a while. Yeah. How, how long has it been? Were the Mets relevant when we last? Uh, <laughs> probably not. No, right? not, not quite. Not that long? <laughs> you know, it hasn't been that long ago. But obviously, uh, there's always something happening when it comes to the Mets. And today, a busy day beyond a 6-4 to win. By the way, Sal, a series victory for the first time in two I and think, a half months. I think I heard Wayne when I was driving in. Wayne mentioned it that this is their first. I, I was laughing out loud in the car to myself. Their first series victory since mid May. They I swept mean, the Arizona Diamondbacks at home. If you remember details of that series, I only two plus months ago. I only remember that series and not the details was because be, leading into that series, I was like, "This is where the Mets are going to turn around." And they were at home. They had the was it the Marlins following that. And they ended up losing. Sounds, yes, it was the Marlins. Right, yes. they ended up losing to the Marlins. I think they had the Orioles shortly there, whatever it was. But I remember sweeping the Diamondbacks thinking, here we go, they're going to turn around. And then, obviously, they fell flat on their faces. Nailed it. But come on. mid, <laughs> mid Yeah, exa- exactly. One of the many things from this year. Uh, Mid-May. It's a, how can you not win a series since mid-May? That's embarrassing. It, it has been a precipitous fall, as we have documented plenty over the last couple of months. And at this point... It's not you know right. worth going back through the rubble, uh, but it, it is what else could go wrong going forward here. And obviously today we got our latest answer as Yuana Cespedes will need season-ending surgery. Not only is this surgery season-ending, but it is going to impact 2019 next year in a big way as under the best-case scenario, he's missing at least a quarter of the season. He's missing at least 40 to 50 games, and realistically it sounds like the All-Star break would probably be a fair, realistic target uh, for Ioannis Cespedes to come back. So while the blow is cushioned a bit by the fact that Cespedes mentioned it on Friday and you had some days to process this possibility here, it doesn't make it any less more devastating for the future of this team. Sal. And plus the way that it works. right Now, nobody cares about the rest of the season. We, we all are in agreement with that. But they finally get Cespedes back out of the All-Star break. He hits a home run in the game where they beat the Yankees. And then that night, all hell continue, uh, ensues and breaks loose when Cespedes talks about his heels. I mean, that's the first I was hearing about it. We heard about the hips and the quads and all this nonsense. And then he talks about how his heels have been you know, a major issue here. It has been a problem in the past. It has been brought up. And I don't know if it was last year or even two years ago. He was just one of those things that this is something I deal with, and every once in a while I need a couple of days off, and then I'm fine. And that is what we had heard about the heels, but the fact that he would eventually, and he had hoped, he expressed today that this would be after his retirement, that surgery was always going to be something that he needed to deal with this issue. That was the alarming revelation over the last few days. So not only to me was it out of nowhere, right? I mean, you would think that the player would have had a conversation with the organization and said, look, it's just not working for me. Let's just shut it down and go from here. But no, instead, somehow they bring him back off the DL. He plays, and then in the postgame proceeds to tell you that likely he will need surgery, which catches the team off guard. And now, months after the fact, he's going to have to have the surgery. They could have just done this two months ago when he left has played and gave him the surgery, and then maybe he back full next year. So there are many different levels to it, but the first one is that, to me, I'm, I still can't understand how that happens to the point where a player is on the DL for two months, he comes back for one day, that night after a game where he homers and they beat the Yankees, he announces that in all likelihood he's going to need surgery. It's a good day. It's worth two months to <laughs> beat the Yankees, right? Yeah, I mean, right. It's two months next season. Um, well, let's really look. That's one level right. of where we're at here. But as you mentioned, there are many. So we learned this week the Mets knew from the time they traded for Cespedes from the Detroit Tigers back in 2015 that he had a chronic issue with his heels. Nonetheless, they made that trade. Now, we did not. They knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The Mets okay. knew. The Just Mets making knew. sure. The public yes. did not no, know. No, we no, knew no, about nobody, the other issues. No, public did not right. know at that time. Uh, and even when it been, has been talked about in the past, it was always a, a, like a passing shower. This is just something I have to deal with once in a while. Mm-hmm. take a few days off and I'm fine. But they knew that. They made the trade. Every Mets fan's making that trade anyway, right? Uh, you know, even though Michael sure. Fulmer's been a solid pitcher, what Cespedes did big time. They re-signed him to a one-year deal after that season. You're doing that again, too. There's not much risk on a one-year deal. 
After 20- well, well, wait. I thought that was the. Didn't they resign him to the three-year deal with the opt-out? With the opt-out, it well, won. I think. But I think that that's a big deal because okay. I re- I remember thinking at the time. Remember, yeah, they begrudgingly gave him that deal, right? He kind of fell that's back. That's a fair to point. Them. They took on the risk, right? So they took on the risk, the three-year deal, and then he had the opt-out. I thought because I didn't think they wanted him back to begin with, and I really don't think Alderson, when push came to shove, did want him back. But they gave him the three-year deal, which was a perfect deal at the time. With the one-year opt-out. When he opted out, leading up to it, before he opted out, I thought 100% if he opts out of this deal, he's gone. There's no way they're going to re-sign him. And they probably went against their better judgment even after he opted out. And that is where they made their first big mistake. Yeah, four years, $110 million, a no-trade clause on top of it all. And knowing that... Maybe they didn't understand just how much of a ticking time bomb this could be. They knew enough, though. But, yes, they were aware. And then in 2016, he misses half the game, half the season. Uh, Or, or, excuse me, in 2017, I should say. I'm mixing up the dates. But when he signs the four-year contract, yes, 2016, he did miss some time. 2017, he misses half the season last year with various leg injuries. Nobody puts together this could be related to the heels. This year, he's on the disabled list two different times. They tried to rehab him. He was playing minor league games uh, a month and a half ago to try to come back and had to shut it down again. Again, nothing about the heels. And it seems like one never connected. The the Mets, the, the player, nobody connected his heel problems to the quad and the hamstrings and all these things until now. Or until the last few weeks. Two years and, too late. And you could look at uh, the squatting he was doing. If you have this kind of problem in your heels, how are you squatting 900 pounds? How is that part of your fitness routine if this is a problem here? And the fact that all three doctors apparently all agreed that surgery is the only way to go, that they had burnt out all of their options, that is remarkable to me how quickly he reached this point. And it doesn't even come from the Mets. I mean, good on Cespedes speaking out. Uh, on Friday night about this, and anyone who questioned his toughness now, yeah, three doctors say he needed this surgery, and he's been playing through this kind of pain for years. And I do think that the last resort, especially if certainly in second, you know, look back on it, uh, the last resort is always surgery, right? Especially for the players. Cespedes does not seem like he wanted to have this surgery at, at all. Especially when you're trying to get a contract. I mean, you know, remember after he opted out after 16, so he wanted to get through that year. He missed 30 games, but that was the big payday. Then he got the big payday and he couldn't stay healthy. So you're right. This should have been a problem addressed years ago if they knew about it. Have the surgery in a, what about last year? Just have it last year. After he goes down, have the surgery. You lose last year. Okay. You would have lost some of this year. Turns out this year's a lost year anyway, but now you're getting into next year. And effectively, the Yoannis Cespedes as we knew him in 2015 and 16 when healthy is gone. Yeah, it would have been great if they could piece all of this together. And I understand you're going to try like heck uh, every possibility to avoid the surgery. Right. And John Rico called it on Saturday a last resort. But the fact for the fan base here, it's that last resort hit in six days. This isn't something that there was, you knew it was a problem and, you know, that one was connected to the other. It is just all of a sudden within six days, you went from, hey, Cespedes is back. Maybe he could actually be healthy, give them something the second half, something to feel good about going into next year, to he's gone eight to ten months and is likely to miss at least 25% of next season. Right, and I understand that it's somewhat easy to say now, knowing all that we do, yeah. but but they had more info than we did. Yeah. And if the player is against getting surgery, there are certain measures you could take or different things, or you know, they would have known this again. After he opted out at the end of 16, they could have had that conversation. You you know, you may need surgery here. We don't want to go the extra year, or if, you know, we'll sign you, but then you have to, if something happens, we'll tab the surgery. They could have had him out all of last year and just wasted one year and instead they try to piece it together last year that's a waste same thing this year this is a waste and now next year you know at least half of it might be a waste at best case scenario yeah uh, it's a tough spot that they are in clearly here with Cespedes and now going forward you know one thing the fans have always crowed about and we've talked about it plenty here as well is hey the Mets need to be aggressive go get this free agent go get this guy go sign this guy well the last two big-time contracts the Mets have given out are to David Wright and Yuenna Cespedes. And these guys are, are languishing on the disabled list and are going to miss significant periods of time. Now, you know, in fairness, the, the contracts are insured and the Mets are getting some of this money back. We'll get into that aspect of it. But do you think this should make the Mets gun-shy 
when it comes to signing that next player to the long-term deal. Well, I mean, look, they're two different contracts, too. David Wright was to... At the time, they needed somebody. I mean, they couldn't let David Wright go. He might as well fold up if Wright walked out the door or if they let him walk out the door the way they did with Reyes. They had nothing else. He's the face of the franchise. They gave him that big, long-term deal. Obviously, it was a mistake looking back because he can't stay healthy. And I still, I shouldn't call it a mistake because they had to do it at the time. So it just, and they um, didn't know the spinal yeah, stenosis. It's, right. not, it's not apples to apples with Cespedes. Right. Cespedes is a little different story because they knew about the history. Mm-hmm. Plus, they tried... And I guess they did, but they tried, they didn't want to give the long-term deal. So oh, they don't want to get burnt by that. But it goes to show you that it doesn't matter if it's seven years, ten years, three years, or four years. A bad deal is a bad deal. And if you pay for Johannes Cespedes, even the four-year deal, it could happen. I mean, he could get hurt. That doesn't mean – so they didn't want to give out the seven-year, the long-term deal, mm-hmm. right? So let's shorten it and give out the four-term, uh, four-year deal so we don't get hurt. And they got burnt by that anyway. Yeah, it could be a two-year deal in Correct. the case of Jason Vargas. <laughs> Excellent point. Exactly. A bad deal is a bad deal. They still need to go out and get good players. And how do they do that now? Uh, you know, how do you, can this team be competitive as soon as next year, the way that they talked about a couple of weeks ago, Sal? I mean, we could get into that on the other side of the break here. There's, look, a lot has to change, but yeah, I think that they can be competitive. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm nuts. I know that there's a lot of work to do, but I think it could happen. We'll get into many, the different many ways. It's not just one or two things. You have to, you know. It's not just Manny Machado? I don't think that it is just Manny Machado. I think that, look, we. There, there's a Manny way to do it. I know, don't know about many. You know, he, the, the idea that, oh, this changes everything. It doesn't change. To me, if anything, it just puts more emphasis that they need to go out there and get Machado or Harper. They needed that anyway. We've been talking about that anyway. Now they need that even more. So, yes, it starts with Machado or Bryce Harper, and then you have to go from there because that's not going to be all either. Now right, we'll build that. Coming up, uh, we'll take your calls as well. 800-321-0710. Again, 800-321-0710. Talking Mets baseball here. Pete McCarthy, Sal Licata in the Sports Zone on The Voice of New York, 710-WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone. Here's Pete McCarthy and guest co-host Sal Licata. Hanging out here on a Wednesday evening. The Mets is six to four win, but uh, at this point, the, the games are like background noise. It's all it's <laughs> exactly. all what happens before and after the games. It seems that matters at this point, and obviously, big news today: Yoana Cespedes out eight to ten months as he will need surgery to fix calcification in his heels. And it's not just one surgery; it's two surgeries. He's going to have surgery on one foot. Allow that to heal for two to three months. Then they'll have surgery on the other foot. And it won't be until the doctors get in there that the Mets will have a better idea of what the real timeline is going to be here. And the other major concern, the other major concern that you would have is his physical condition. Cespedes is not a guy that looks to be in great shape. I feel like every spring training he comes in, a, you know, camp fat. Uh, he's got a belly. So I don't think that a guy who's going to have his legs taken out from under him here, whether it's one at a time or not, is going to be in peak physical condition at the end of this. He's got to watch his diet. I mean, there's going to be a lot of... Well, you worry about that with anybody, right? As you hit your mid-30s, you have to stay active, work harder to stay in the same uh, shape. Agreed, but especially a guy who has the propensity to me to put on weight. I mean, look at him. I mean, he he I just think he's muscular. I don't think he's I don't know. I've seen seen plenty. I I do think he's stocky, but I think he's got the gut, and I think that he's... You know, look, you got to watch that. I mean, well, that is... And the other part of it is just he, he has to play defense in the National League. He's so, going to play first base, though, don't he, you think? He's going to be on his feet either way. Whether he plays first base or left field, he's going to be on his feet all day. Still, There's no avoiding that. You would, would you agree? Because I feel this way. I'd be curious to get your take. His days in the outfield are done. I don't know that first base is necessarily better for him I'm in this saying, condition. Though, I know he doesn't have to run as much, but you're still on your feet. Rather than being on the grass, you're on the dirt in the infield. Um, he needs the time to work on the position. right? This is one of the concerns with David Wright moving from third base to first base, is that he can't get the reps he needs in order to learn the position. Would that be an issue for UNS Cespedes? It clearly would need a lot of reps and... As we've seen, watching guys learn positions at the big league level is not a whole lot of fun. Well, the good news is probably uh, that Manfred will install the DH before Cespedes ever comes back. Let's hope. I mean, there's a good chance of that happening. 
You, you yeah, I would I would think that's getting close. Look, that's probably closer to happening than Cespedes taking the field. No, I mean he's already <laughs> out by the All Star break, so at least you have this off season here to readjust. Yeah, I, you know I, I think they'll wait until the CBA is up and use it as a negotiating chip. That's going to be a whole hitter. So it'll I think it'll take a while. That'll be a whole nother thing. I wonder how that would impact going out there and getting Machado or Harper with the CBA and, and all that stuff because there could be another you know dispute here, work dispute, labor sh- a strike mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and then you start losing guys in their prime games like that. I, I, the whole baseball, the whole system right now is backwards and is a mess, and they need to fix it. Yes, and, and you've seen players not getting paid a whole lot. I think right. Machado and Harper will be paid, but there's never been more value placed on young position players uh, that I could think of in recent me- memory than right now. And, and that kind of leads to where I'm going with those are the kind of players the Mets desperately need, right? Young position players, they play up the middle positions for you, catcher, center field, shortstop, second base. Those are the guys so valuable around the league that you just can't get, that they weren't able to get for Jairus Familia, uh, that even you know the, the Orioles didn't land for Zach Britton. Uh, um, so, when you look at the Mets here, now that they know that Yohannes Cespedes is going to be compromised, at the very least, next year, does it change your outlook for how you would go about putting together this team, whether you would trade one of the pitchers here at the trade deadline? How does this change your outlook for this team? I, I just Now I know with certainty. Before, I just assumed and wouldn't count on Cespedes the same way you couldn't count on Wright years ago before it became this bad to a point where he actually can't take the field. I am not making Cespedes a factor on the team at all. Anything you get from him, whether it be first base, DH, if he can play the outfield occasionally, is a bonus moving forward. So I know that he's not a factor, and that means even more more so, even more so than before, and they needed it before badly. Even more so, they need to get Machado or they need to get Harper. I would leave Conforto alone in left field and not move him um, and, and go from there and look to build a team without the idea of Ioannis Espinas. It doesn't make me want to trade DeGrom or Syndergaard more. I want to win. How does that lead? You lose your best player. You need more. You don't need less. You don't start trading guys for prospects here. I want to win next year. I, I don't think they can win That's in 2019. Fair. I think they can in 2020, though. I'm not a guy who's saying, hey, Blow it up, trade to Grom, Cindergaard, anything not nailed down, get a bunch of single A players and have a five year process. I don't want to go through what the Astros went through, and I don't think the Mets should have to go about things in that kind of way. There is still talent here. You have to Grom and Cindergaard at the top of the rotation. They'll still be under contract in twenty twenty. And yes, the Mets have to figure out you know, are you going to extend to Grom or are you going to trade him or, or whatever that, however that's going to play out? And we can get into that much more in the offseason. But there's enough talent on this team to be good. And I think it's going to take a little while, though, because they have a lot of holes to fill. But a Manny Machado, if you're going to get good quick again, that's the kind of move that you have to make. And this should be a free agent that's less risk. He hasn't had major right. injuries in his career. He's, what, 25 years old? These guys don't hit free agency at that age anymore. And to me, he's a perfect fit. You put him right at third base. Todd Frazier, whatever you what want to do What if he doesn't want to play third? He demands shortstop. Yeah. You have to give it to him yeah. for a year, right? And then you know you make it evident to him that he's got to slide to third base. If you have to inconvenience Rosario and put him at second for a little while. I know they went through this with Reyes years ago, right. but I don't feel as bad about moving Ahmed Rosario well, to could, another position. You could trade Rosario and you know get another piece back. There are other not... things you could do, yeah, but right, Manny Machado right. is a special player, and if you're going to lose some value because he demands to play shortstop... You deal with it, right? And, the Yankees yeah, dealt with it with Jeter I, at shortstop all those years over A-Rod. Yeah, I was just asking what you would do. I would give him anything, and you're going to have to. To get him here, you're going to have to give him the most money, and mm-hmm. you're going to have to guarantee him that he can play shortstop, assuming that that's what he wants. He has said that he wants to play shortstop. Now, I know for the Dodgers here with the injury, with Turner being out, he's moving over to third base for the time being. Who knows if the Dodgers are going to make a serious run on him with Seager, you would expect the Dodgers are going to put him in third. Maybe other teams want to put him in third. If I'm the Mets, I'd do whatever it takes to get Manny Machado. That's the most money. That is giving him shortstop, whatever. Because as you said they need him but clearly they can't do things piecemeal in the way they've done in recent years where all right we're going to stop gap this position with uh this player for a year or two and then do the same over here they they can't have an offseason like this past year that yeah todd frazier and adrian gonzalez and anthony swarzak and jason vargas and a bunch of guys that were built to fill holes but 
they don't have enough of a, a future. It, well, it, it ended so quickly on all those guys. I, I know that they need to revamp the bullpen, okay? But yeah. usually that's the last thing to come here. You could try to find guys on the cheap or try to find guys off of down years or whatever, or maybe trade for somebody at the deadline in whatever year. You know, let's hope that they're contending in 2019. So the first thing I would do is get a center fielder. Maybe not the first thing, but I would get Machado, center fielder, and a catcher. That's it. And then I then I go from there. I think if you It's a lot. I know it's a lot, but you're talking about building up the middle and those are major areas of need. So I could live with and if you if it means trading certain pieces, whether it's Rosario or Nimmo yeah. or whatever or Mats, then so be it. And you reconfigure some of the look of the team. But they mm-hmm. need a center fielder. I'm assuming Conforto's gonna be my left fielder moving forward. Mm-hmm. You would maybe like Nimmo in right field mm-hmm. moving forward. Get a center fielder, you have Machado at short, and then you need to get a real catcher, and that would be the big three moves. To me, that's two off seasons, though. That did a lot of work to do in one off season. I All think, right. I think that's why I would target twenty twenty. And that's why I would look to trade Zach Wheeler as soon as possible here before the deadline. But make sure you get a potential center fielder, something along those lines. That's fair. I like that. You gotta trade Wheeler now for a piece or whatever guys yeah. they do give up now to a piece that maybe could help you in a year or two. Let's grab uh, some calls here. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten Nelson in Miller Place. What's your uh, Mets take tonight, Nelson? Oh boy, here we go again with these injuries. You know, the one thing I want to say is that you know you have to watch when you when you challenge guys on their injuries because remember J.R. Richard. Here it is. We were all uh, thinking Cespedes was talking, and now he's got to have surgery. Yep. I want to know what the heck is going on with this Mets medical staff that all these injuries turn out to be major. I mean, it goes back to Ryan Church and Carlos Beltran, where these injuries start off, you know, minor, and they turn into these big, long, long disabled stints. I mean, you look at Syndergaard this year, um, even David Wright, we don't know, you know, what, exactly what's going on with him. I, well, I, you know I, what's just, going on. He's got spinal stenosis. Right. Yeah, but even before that injury, how did this injury come out not so quickly after that last injury? What's going on with the conditioning of these players? That we keep running into these. I mean, Syndergaard last last month had a finger problem. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's about the conditioning as opposed to the information that we're getting. All yeah. we could do is deal with the information that we get. As far as Cespedes goes, we were told it wasn't that at first. Remember, they were keeping him out there, trying to keep him on the team and having him pinch hit and giving him some rest. They were keeping him out there, saying it's not that big of a deal, just some issue with the hip, ten day DL. He doesn't go come back for two months, so obviously something is wrong. It's not saying the players dogging it. We. We didn't have the information. All we heard was the last that we heard. He didn't give any updates himself, so he could be sensitive and be upset that people are saying he's dogging it and blah, 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 whatever. But we don't know. We're going based off of what we are told, and we were told at the time. Yeah, but what's going on with this, this training stuff? It's not the training stuff. It's not the training stuff. We went well, over we that last year. Like oh, this. get him more water. He's dehydrated. Get him more water. They fired the training. It's not that. Syndergaard, the same thing. A boo-boo on his finger. He's out for weeks. I don't. He was supposed to miss one start. So so how does that go from missing maybe one start to them being out for a month? Uh, you tell me. Exactly. Well, it's a question. Yeah. Exactly. What's wrong? But they're, it's not. It's it's not the training. To know this stuff. It's not the training. Well, it's the, the information that we're getting. Clearly, there was something more significant than a little boo boo on his finger. Well, it's the communication from the Mets to the fans as far as right. what the the situation is with a lot of these players. And, and it was a perfect example of it this weekend, right? Where Cespedes says this on Friday night that he might need a surgery. He's thinking about it. It's eight to ten months. And it's cricket from the Mets until Sunday. We don't get a, a real answer. And even then, it was, you know, push it back, push it back, push it back. And it's till Wednesday, six day, five days later, that you'll find out ultimately that he will need the surgery. But to make it like it's the medical staff or the it's training. Not the no, staff it's anymore. not. It's not that. It's that you and I hear and see different from reality of what is going on until it's too late. I mean, this was this was the worst one yet. Well, it's communication from the Mets and you know that what they're portraying and putting out there and um, and and reality. Yes. they're two different things. Yes, eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. So Cespedes' contract is insured. Uh, John Rico said as much today. What can they do with, with the money they get back? We'll, we'll dive into some of that coming up. 800-321-0710. We're taking your phone calls here. Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy, Sal Licata on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. For more of the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy and guest co-host Sal Licata. All right, talking Mets here, 800-321-0710. It has been, uh, it's been busy. Not only Yohannes Cespedes done for the season, Sal, 
But uh, since we've last spoken, Tim Tebow oh, done yeah. for the season. Um, well, I would have liked to see him in September. I would not. No, not no. at all. No, you'd not rather even... just see Jeff McNeil and uh, maybe even... Pete Alonso. Oh, That's enough for you. Is McNeil here? Is he is he playing? I know they called <laughs> him up. I... Yeah, by the way, they must love him, right? They call him up. Yeah. They wait take forever to call him up when he deserved it months ago. They don't play him, and they give him number sixty eight. I mean, what? <laughs> What? I mean, what's, I'm not saying Jeff McNeil is going to be a future star here, but do you want the guy to stick at the big league level or Listen, not? Sal, you have to keep Jose Reyes sharp. This is I mean, come on. this is what's happening here. Yeah, uh, no, but I was not upset about the Tebow. You never want to see anybody get hurt. I was more relieved that I don't have to deal with the talk of him potentially coming up here. Ah, oh, I would have enjoyed seeing no, him come on. in September. Come on. What else is there going to be? Nothing, but. I don't want a, a football, a fringe football player. Nah, you know what? A, a good, I don't want an all-time great college football player <laughs> to be on the Mets. It's as simple as that. It's embarrassing. But he's he's playing decent at Double A. He was playing well the, his last couple of months. He was building. Uh, is, is I don't he think he's a true league? major league prospect. Okay. But, but for September, a, a curiosity. <laughs> I'll watch it. Well, he'd fit right in with the rest of them. They don't have any other true major league prospects anyway. But no, well, I don't, I don't. you have Pete Alonso and, is he and maybe McNeil. League? Is he a true major league prospect? Alonso's a top 100 prospect in the game. Do you think McNeil is a legit big leaguer? I know they want to make him what? The uh, Ben Zobust of uh, the future here? They want to make him versatile? <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I mean, can he they give can... him a better number than 68? Well, I've heard, you know, left handed Wilmer Flores, another guy. Oh, you know. great. No, he already looks more athletic than Flores. Yeah, but he could be a super utility kind of guy and, uh, you know, a good bat off the bench that I, I haven't seen him defensively. He caught the pop up to end the game last night, but uh, I, I'm curious to see that, find out about the kid a little bit. And the- I, I mean, I was infuriated when he was in the lineup this morning, and, and I was stunned too. Like, how you call this kid up. Yeah. He raked at double-A, triple-A. He's a good story. He did everything asked this year. He had nine home runs total his first four years in the minors and busts out his 19 this year. I'd rather take a look at him than see Jose Reyes playing third base again. Somebody's got to give me a legit reason. I mean, I've heard that, you know, we've all heard that, well, ownership loves Reyes, but he's, I mean, he's... There's no good reason, logical reason, why he's on the team at this no, point. I mean, the season, you could deal with it barely, but you could deal with it barely for a couple of months ago. You can't deal with it now. I asked Mickey Calloway about it yesterday, and he said, you know, they'll have to sit down soon and, and start reevaluating playing time. And I took that to mean after the trade deadline, I think things are going to change, but it's been a long time. It's been about three weeks now that Reyes has been nearly a full time player. I, I just I, I yeah. don't get it. Yeah. I mean, I, whatever. I don't care. The game is so relevant. I don't, I don't even care. At this point. <laughs> Seriously, I, I could care less. If not for the other news, the Mets wouldn't even be a talking point. Um, well, that's part of it, right? right? If not for the Cespedes stuff or the familiar trade or the potential trades coming, th- there's nothing to talk August about. August is going to be tough because it's going to be about Sam McNeil. But the, it's not a made Rosario and Dom Smith, two top 100 guys last year coming right. up. Hey, what do they have? De- generating opinions on those guys and, uh, you know, see if you like them. They don't have those kinds of prospects to really call on this year. It's really just McNeil and then I think Dom Smith again, uh, getting some run at first base. Yeah. I mean, people like, you know, you watch DeGrom when you're watching a historic yes. performance like that, but even that becomes infuriating after a well. while. <laughs> it's the same old story. He pitches great for eight plus innings and uh, the Mets can't score any runs or play any defense but, behind him. But how long can it go? It. I mean, that's a, that's kind of an entertaining it's, question. It's going. Yeah. <laughs> it's going. It's I thought going it may, strong. like, oh, it'll turn around eventually. Yeah. And here we are, uh, mid July, late July, and he's still sitting on five wins. Yeah. You think they'll bring up Alonzo? this year, now that Alderson's not here, it sounded like that was not going to happen, yes. but now that there's, things have changed. Well, they're concerned about his defense. That's always been the the rep on Alonzo, and I, I think what you see... It, Why start there, being well, concerned about his defense? Well, look at the case of uh, Ahmed Rosario, and fair point, uh, but you know, we all wanted him called up. Hey, de- at least defensively it'll help. If he doesn't hit a lick, so be it. And what happens? Once he's called up, everybody jumps on him. Well, he doesn't do this well. He doesn't do that well. Yeah. And it, yeah, it becomes tough to be developed at the major leagues in New York when you are under the microscope in the way that you are here. So if he's not ready, if Alonzo's not ready defensively, I understand why you might not call him up right away. What I would do at first base, when the trade deadline's done, if Wilmer Flores isn't traded, whatever. I want to find out about Dom Smith. Give him a month and a half. Play first base. When the AAA Vegas season ends, if Dom hasn't established himself, Alonzo's your first baseman the final two to three weeks of the year. Let me ask you, though, why would they... I mean, I, I think the jury's already out. On Unfortunately for Dom, uh, is already out. Why would he be moved to the outfield in the minors? 
I mean, to make Alonzo happy, to get Alonzo used to first base. If you think that Dom Smith is anything, why, why is he playing the outfield? I think they're just trying to get him at bats. Yeah, he's I, not no, an I outfielder. It. I get it, but he's not He's not a big league. But I that's think why that's... I'd call him up next week. Yeah. Once the trade deadline hits, hopefully they move Flores, and then first base a mess. has to be Dom they Smith. Are, they are a complete mess. Uh, Steven Congress wants to talk first base. What's up, Steve? Hey, guys. Thanks a lot. Just a, a quick statement and a question. Uh for you guys, a quick statement to the Met fans, um, as my beautiful wife May points out, unless the Wilpons hurt, and it, and, and it all starts with the Wilpons, uh, it's never going to change with them uh, as the owners. The only way they can hurt is if people stop going to the game and even watching it on TV. That's hard and it's difficult. But the Wilpons have to. Oh, look, the, the Mets bring people. Hey, don't stop watching SNY, whatever you do. Yeah, but please, no, no, Steve, no, you can talk about Watch SNY, listen no, to OR, whatever you do. We're going to listen to Pete, and we're going to watch you all the time. Yeah. That, that, that's the one thing we're going to do. Now, here's my question, and you guys just stole my thunder. As soon as we trade Cabrera, I was just thinking, we're going to play McNeil at second base. Mm-hmm. Why not bring up, and Dominic Smith, by the way, has never gotten a fair shot. Why don't you bring up Dom and Alonzo? You know, the Mets love to alternate everybody and let both of these guys play first base. You know, Jay Bruce is going to go back out to the outfield if there's ever Jay Bruce sighting when Batista is traded. So why not bring them both up at the same time? Because you want alternate? you want them to get everyday playing time. So that's why I would not platoon those two. You want you if you're going to develop someone, you need to give them at bats. Like you, you say, Dom Smith hasn't been given a fair shot. Last year he was given a fair shot and he was out of shape for it. But this year he wasn't. He's he's not playing. He's playing two games a week. You're not going to get into a groove at the big leagues if that's all you're playing. And me being moved to the outfield. Oh. And now now Smith's own fault, like you said, wasn't in shape last year. Unacceptable. Yes. This year being you know late and then being hurt that certainly hurt him. And he could never get off to a you know getting rhythm. But you still got to find year. out about him. I, I would not look. There's nothing. I mean, there's nothing to lose. I wouldn't yeah. be opposed to it. I don't believe in him. I don't think they believe in him. Otherwise, he'd be here. I don't need to see Wilmer Flores at first base every day. I already know what he is. Norman in Brooklyn is next. Norman, what's on your mind? Hi guys. Um, I, I don't want to trade my pitching. It's the best commodity in baseball, and everybody wants it. And it's been proven that teams come out of nowhere because they have pitching, just like the Mets won in '69 with pitching and no offense. Well, the game is a little different now where the bullpen pitches more than ever before. The starting pitchers pitch less. There's still a weapon, but I I think more than ever you can get away without starting pitching. Um, I'll disagree with that. I think that especially Wheeler, that ball is zipping and zooming in. And you know what? None of our pitches have been hurt this year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's basically minor injuries. You know, all the crazy stuff that happens to the Mets since 1962. But you know what? Like Sal says, get Machado. Um, and, and I also want to know, it seemed that Ligaris was doing very good this year and he got hurt. And nobody talks about him. I don't know what happened to that guy. He's always hurt, hurt his toe. Yeah. And he uh, ended up. Uh, tearing a, a ligament in his big toe, but his ligaments are made of tissue paper. He's always hurt. Yeah, yeah. I know that you could depend on him. He starts making, I think, nine million dollars next year, and he's not an everyday player. Anymore. He hasn't hit. Uh, I mean, he hasn't played enough to become the kind of hitter that he needed to. So, uh, Ligaris is a fourth, fifth outfielder at best. Right? At would you point. prevent? Would you have Ligaris preventing you from going out and getting a real center fielder as they have in the past? I would not. I, I'm, go get a real center fielder. Yeah. You want to have Ligaris as a fourth, fifth outfielder? I guess you could go uh, about that, but can't rely on the same guys anymore. Mm-hmm. I, 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 By the way, I do agree with Norm for the most part about keeping the pitching, although Wheeler right now will never have as good a value as he's got, and they need to balance things out. If you get something good, move Wheeler. And remember, Wheeler is a free agent before anybody else. He only has a year and a half uh, remaining under club control, and, and like I said, I might timeline if you're looking targeting 2020 opening day wheeler's not a part of that the grom cindergard mats all can be 800-321-0710 more calls coming up uh plenty to talk about here with the mets including uh, we'll dive into the insurance money and uh you know how that factors in with you on assess david wright of course uh, over the years uh it's a sports zone with pete mccarthy salicata on the voice of new york 710 wor now you're in the wor sports zone with pete mccarthy and guest co-host sal licata 
Hi, if you're just joining us, uh, a big day for the Mets here as Ioannis Cespedes will need season-ending surgery, not only surgery that it will impact this year, it will impact next year until he's able to get back on the field, and then you know, what kind of player is he going to be after having double heel surgery? He needs to uh, have calcification in his heel fixed in both of his feet. Uh, so uh, the Mets say an 8-10 to 10 month range as of now, but they won't have a, a real timetable until Cespedes undergoes these surgeries, uh, and they will be two different surgeries, two to three months apart, on each of Ioannis Cespedes' heels. So not uh, not a great situation here, obviously, for uh, the New York Mets. But as we were uh, talking to talking about before uh, we hit the news there, uh, the Mets do have Cespedes' contract insured. Exactly how much they get back, uh, we couldn't tell you right now. But... Uh, one thing that's interesting, the way they've handled David Wright and the money that they've gotten back in insurance for him, and Jeff Wilpon talked about this uh, this past offseason, is that they look at that money that David Wright's salary as part of the budget, and they do not factor in that they're going to get X amount back and assume a player is not going to play. Yeah, that, I wonder why. That is the way they have handled uh, David Wright. So it's not as why? if... So, but is it because are they getting the... Is there a legit reason for that? Are they getting the exact amount back? Or this is like... Well, this is uh, Jeff's answer this past offseason about it. We still pay a big portion of it, okay? Right. When you're talking about $20 million and we're still paying 25%, that's a big number. We don't look at it that way. It's in the budget that his contract is what it is, and there's a new deductible period that will start, and you only get 75%. It's not just 75% as a total, and then there's costs against that. We had to pay for the policy, which is not cheap. So there's other things. It's not dollar for dollar of the $20 million, 75% we're getting back. It's not that clear cut, but we try to go into the season looking at it like it's all part of the budget okay so i mean i i have a better understanding of it now after reading that there it's not going to be okay well you get insured for rights 20 million go spend that 20 million elsewhere it's not that simple um and i could understand going into the year with that factored in as the budget but you know what if you want to win and that happens the budget's going to have to increase i mean it's as simple as that and if you know that let's say cespedes you know he's going to miss 60 games next year so you know you're getting a chunk back there right and then maybe there's more clarity on david wright in the future where that's still hanging over right that's one of the things that could be the entertainment value for mets fans is if david wright could get back on the field uh before the end of this season but if he decides that he's going to shut it down after this year which i don't think would necessarily surprise anybody whether or not he's able to get on the the field or not then the Mets would at least have the clarity that, hey, we're getting 75% or so, uh, let's say 60% of this money back. Uh, at that point, I think you have to make an effort to put that back into the payroll. Yeah, and I'm not even, look, I've never been big into the payroll yeah. stuff. I, I don't care about the insurance money. Good for them. I don't need to break down the books and watch where every dollar is being spent. It's none of my business. I don't, I don't really care. But what I do care about is putting a winning team on the field mm-hmm. and doing that as a priority. And that's just got to be the case. So whether it's no right, no cesspitis, dollars here, millions of dollars there, I don't care about that. I want to see a winning team. I didn't care what the payroll was in 2015. I don't care what it is in 2018. I don't care what it's going to be in 2019. But I do know that the Mets need players. And one of the ways to get players is via free agency. And you said it before, one of the sure I don't want to say sure bets because there's no such thing, but one of the better bets in free agency is coming up this year with mm-hmm. Manny Machado. So if you're going to invest, that would be the guy to invest in. And I, I don't see the reason why. I mean, what? Because it's too much money? I mean, that's not a good enough reason for me where it's not like their payroll's already 200 plus million dollars where this is going to really put them, well, you know what? We'd be, you know, blown. They're not bumping against the luxury tax. Exactly. Here. They're not, they're not there. And this would be a move where not only the goodwill with the fan base, you're also bringing in a young superstar start to replace the one you just lost this is it's a, it's a no-brainer to me if you want to operate as a winning franchise Pretty I, simple i don't think there are many other moves that they can make that are going to to win people over and i know we talked about that a lot this past off season that of all the free agents that were out there i don't think there was a guy that excited the fan base as good a player as lorenzo kane is even hosmer they're still not yes, that guy they're, yes they're not at that level you want to assess but it puts people in the seats right. mets fans were dying for him to come back uh, in 2016, 2017 off seasons, but 
Manny Machado, he's that kind of player. If you want someone to sell your franchise, be the face of your franchise, and I don't know any reason why you would hesitate to make Manny Machado the face of your franchise. Would you? No. no. There's no hesitation there. No, other than the price tag that comes along with it. I mean, that's it. I think any team would kill to have Machado. It's just a matter of who's going to be willing to go that high for him. But that's where you invest it. That's where I would look to be doing that. And that would only be step number one. It is funny. I tweeted out today with the Cespedes news, signing Machado or Harper is now even more imperative, which I think is factual. You have to see the responses back. No, I am not, in fact, on drugs. I've never done drugs in my life. <laughs> Nor did I say that it was realistic. I just said it has to happen. Well, what I are mean, the responses you get? Oh, my. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't even know if I could repeat some of them on the air. Uh, you know, you're just saying this to fill the show. You're an idiot. Yeah, right. You know it's not going to happen. It'll never. Mostly is it's never going to happen, never going to happen, never going to happen. I mean, that's basically the response. But whether it does or doesn't, doesn't Well, if it mean, doesn't, how are they going to win? Yeah, right, exactly. And that's step one. You're right. This may be a two-year thing, but it starts with well, it starts with keeping Degrom and Syndergaard intact and getting mm-hmm. peak performance from them. Then it starts with signing Manny Machado in the offseason, putting him a major piece in place, and then building around it. Catcher, center fielder, having Conforto to I don't even want to say continue to develop, but at least he's looked good over the last couple of weeks here. He's got to, or since the All Star break, he's got to look like that moving forward. So there is some hope there. You got to rebuild the bullpen. I get it that there's a lot of pieces, but without Machado, I mean. And the fans could call it a pipe dream, and I believe right. me, we all we all get it. Yeah. We've seen what's happened. They haven't invested in free agency uh, beyond Ioannis Cespedes bringing him back in this kind of way before. But if it's if it's not going to be Machado, if they're not going to get in on a Harper, how are you doing this within a year and a half without then tearing apart the pitching staff? And that's where it becomes, well, now you got to trade Cindergarter to Grom this offseason, and it becomes the messy way to try to build one where you're robbing Peter to pay right. Paul. And, all right, so now the offense is better, but now you got to worry about do you have the, the starting pitching necessary to, if you make the playoffs, be able to go on that long and, run. And that's why it doesn't make any sense to do that. Look, if Syndergaard doesn't pitch the way he did in 2016, if DeGrom gets hurt and falls off, those are risks you have to take because it's not worth to get rid of them and then having to try to find those guys. You can't do it. The Yankees can't even go out there and get a guy like Syndergaard or DeGrom right now as bad as they want. The Yankees have whatever it takes to get a top pitcher on the market. Look at the top pitchers on the market. There aren't any. So you got to hold on to those guys. That's what this foundation is about right now, DeGrom and Syndergaard, you should be building around it. I mean, you're going to try to... So, okay, you're not going to spend on Machado or Harper because that's too much money, so let's trade Syndergaard or DeGrom. You think that that's going to help for unknown guys anyway, for prospects? That's not going to do anything. It's You can't build like that. You have to build around the two superstars that they have. So, And again, for the Twitter universe, for people out here, I understand that it doesn't seem likely at this point. I'm just telling you what has to be done. It has to be done. There should be no excuse about it. It's time the Mets get a marquee free agent. All right, let's go to Brad in Alpine. Well, what's your response to what we're talking about here, Brad? I just think that the Mets have never spent money to cover up on mistakes. And, you know, they say they have Frazier at third base, and they're not going to give up on Rosario. There's no way that they get Machado. Well, forget Frazier. He's irrelevant in the matter. I mean, you can move Frazier first if you had to. You could have him coming off the bench. Um, I I can understand what you're saying about Rosario, but you could trade him. You could trade him or move him. Yeah, but what are you going to get for him as value? So, you know, it's. You can get something for Rosario. I think Rosario would definitely have value. He's 22, 23 years old. You package him with maybe another arm and maybe get Real Muto. I mean, that's, again, I'm just, that's the name that was rumored to be out there. He may not be out there anymore. Who knows what happens in the offseason? Even if you don't trade Rosario, though, you, there's, look, that would not prevent me from going to get Manny Machado. And, and just getting back to, to the trade uh, this weekend, I mean, look, I, the Wilpons, it feels like the, the relationship between the Wilpons and the fans has reached a, just an unsustainable, level it's at, a, it's at a breaking point but is it fair to criticize them for not taking not not eating the salary in the and i know Rico said it the day before which is which is just crazy i mean it's like double speak with this organization he said that you know we would eat salary but mm-hmm. i mean is it is it fair like did it, did i wish i knew what the other deal was like uh, all right so this is the one deal with the a's where the a's pick up the remainder of the salary i, I wish i knew what the deal was where the mets pay Jerris Familia and how different a prospect it would be. 
Here's the problem. There's no trust right now yes. between the well, fan base and the ownership. That's been the case for a while, but it's eroding even further. Right, and last year, the trades that were made were salary dumps. I yes. mean, that's a fact. The Yankees offered potentially a better package mm-hmm. for, I forget if it was Bruce, or I think it was Jay Bruce as opposed to Neil Walker because they were talking about both, but the Mets went with the lesser package because they got rid of the money more so. so that's just, Cleveland, yes. Yeah, that's just the fact. Um, this year, Rico, to your point, said that they were not going to do that, Brad, and and then they go out there and get familiar, a deal which got ripped. And I thought unfairly ripped, and then the Zach Britton trade happened. And I think now it's fair to question, did the Mets get proper return for Familia when you look at what the Orioles got for Britain? Well, Britain's better than Familia. I agree, but they have had similar paths. They were both dominant in 2015 and 16, and they have both been ineffective slash injured for the large part of the latter two years. So it's not like Britain has been healthy and pitching yeah. at its peak performance. Now, I don't trust Familia, and a month ago Familia had no value. That's why I had no problem with what the Mets got, getting uh-huh. rid of him now while he's not. But look at Britain. Britain's been hurt for two years. He's not the same guy that he was in 16. Same with Therese Familia. So it, by that measure, and I'm not saying he's as good, but the three guys, they got two top 15 guys from the Yankees. Yeah, the Mets, they got... And another arm. They got a player that was 20, number 20 in the A's organization in 17. And really the intriguing part that you could dream on, I guess, is the million dollars they got for international spending. And they dumped. That could pay off, but they, they have to add to that total over the next week before the trade deadline to be able to sign... There's a Victor Victor Mesa, the big international... Potential free agent That's his from name? Cuba. Yeah, Victor Victor Mesa. His, Victor Victor Mesa? Yeah, his dad is Victor Mesa, <laughs> who's a great player and manager for Cuba. And uh, I guess he's got two sons. One's Victor Victor, and then the youngest is Victor Jr. I, I love it. Sign so, him up just for the name. He likes himself. Yeah. <laughs> dad likes himself a little bit. So, uh, But he's a, apparently 21 years old, so he's a guy that would be relatively major league ready if he's as good as everybody says. And he wants $3 million. The Mets have already spent most of their budget previously for international spending. So then they have the extra million dollars to play with, and you know they hope Omar Minaya can make some magic well, happen. Well, I like that. I like that aspect of the deal. And plus they shed the money. That's fine. But then when you see the return that the look, it's yeah. not, I, I'm, I, I, it. I think people were unfairly criticizing him. But the fact that the Orioles got three arms, two of them top fifteen from the yeah. Yanks, that's impressive. Yeah, and the Yanks are a better system than just about anybody right. in the game. If you're going to try to compare uh, what, what yeah. you're looking at there, but it's tough for me. To say, I've laid eyes on any of these guys that the Mets got. Well, Bobby Wall the or uh, the the double A player. Well, well, that was kind of my point to people unfairly ripping them. I know the Mets have been an easy target, especially now with Alderson out of the way. If Alderson's there and makes that same exact trade, they do not get raked over the coals the way that they did with the triumvirate making that deal. And Richardi happened to like this guy. They got money back in the deal for the international money. I don't think it's an awful deal, but I was surprised to see the package Britain got back compared mm. to the one that Familia got back. 800 We'll take some more Mets calls coming up. Uh, we'll dive into Sal's Yankee fandom, how that's working out for him. Uh, <laughs> they haven't Sal- won! They can't win either now! <laughs> yeah, you I ruined the Yankees! <laughs> uh, Sports Hell with Pete McCarthy, Sal Licata on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone. Here's Pete McCarthy and guest co-host Sal Licata. All right, we're hanging out with you here in the Sports Zone. Corey Oswald, his first big league win today, Sal. Congratulations. I I mean, I saw some of it. Well, what do you mean? I'm not asking you saw it. Oh, I thought you said did you, no, see you get that? excited about it. Oh no, 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 I, I don't care. I, I'm just Jeff McNeil's to... first big league hit last night. Did nothing for no, you. Good moment for him. I don't care. The Mets are irrelevant. I mean, I'm paying more attention to the Yankees right now than the Mets because the Yankees actually matter. But no, it doesn't. Uh, you know what's weird? I'll give you an example. I'm watching now. I don't know, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit later about being a fan and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm watching. You know, I work at SNY last night. You have both games on. And the Mets won the game, and they cut to the seven line, celebrating, high-fiving, going. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, what is wrong with these people? (laughs) Like, this team could not be more irrelevant. It's the best, isn't it? And yet, here they are, excited. Now, I don't know if... Living and dying every pitch. I mean, last out... in 97? Maybe, I guess. I mean... The last out of the 2014 season. A season that ended under 500, again, at that time. And they're there the whole time. And Terry Collins, I remember he went out and gave a thank you to the seven line. Walked all the way to the outfield to give a thank you to those guys because they are there. Not every game, but you know they have those outings and they make their presence felt home and, they've and done, road. And they've done a great job. I wish that was around when I was in the prime of my fandom. But 
I just, I don't know, maybe it's after experiencing, you know, success as a fan, right? As mild success as it may be, but even as recent as, you know, 15 or 16, having those type years, how do you possibly get excited about a meaningless win in a year where you're, you know, 17 games, 15 games under? To me, it's the community. It's about, you're hanging out with your friends, uh, you know, they're, they're a part of the seven line. You have a, you know, a community there. You have some fun. You have the tailgate before. The game's just fun. And you take, instead of looking at the big picture, like, each we all, we yeah. have to do. Okay. It's just, hey, I'm at the ballpark. It's Sunday afternoon. It's beautiful. Had a few drinks. Got my orange t-shirt. Whatever it is, I'm going to have a blast today. That's That's fair. And I think I was there in 95, 6, 7, 8. And then once Piazza came, it changed. It became serious. Sure. It got real. And then they had the ascending success in 99 and 2000. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it was like, well, if I'm not going to be rooting for a winner... Now, I'm not going to go out to all these games and get nuts. No wonder nuts. you became a Yankee fan. <laughs> get nuts over Mets Padres in, you know, June in a year with a 10 under. And not not this particular case, I'm talking about in general. Success ruins you. I mean, it's true. I don't know. Ways. You get a taste for things, and then but you, you know, it's like you start drinking micro-brews, and then you go back to Bush Light, and you can't, can't do, do it, it like you did in 10th grade, you know? <laughs> can't do it. I mean, am I wrong? Am I jaded because I'm now... Look, it, the reality is, we're not... I mean, I know that we're fans at heart, and that's why we're here, but the reality is we're broadcasters now, and there is a difference between being a fan and a broadcaster as much as a talk show host still has a fan in him. Mm-hmm. It is different. There, There is a big difference there. Do you feel that? I mean, do, am I jaded as a now talk show host slash broadcaster as opposed to being just a just a fan? Well, I, I see the big picture more than I see an individual game, right? When, if you're a fan, you only go to a, a handful of games generally, right? However many games you can go to over the course of a season. And you care about the games that you go to. You care about the other games too, but you want to see them win when you are there. Yeah, that, that's an important yeah. game now. Right. That is your... You know, postseason game. Right. The, the Sunday keep... afternoon that you can go with your kid, with your dad, with your friends, whatever it is, you want to see them win that day. And, that's fair. And that's where I, I think it can be different, where, you know, we're looking at the big picture. A game like today, you're calling it meaningless, irrelevant. Right. And yeah, big picture, yes. But for if you're at the game today, it's not. You want to see them win that game. Yeah, I guess. That's fair. I guess, like I said, those days are long gone for me. Uh, unfortunately, because you do lose well, some. You feel it in, like with the Falcons, right? You 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 have an outlet even for that. Them, another sport? No, even them. I mean, getting to that you know twenty eight to three lead late third quarter of the Super Bowl. <laughs> you think I care you about? You can't talk about oh, your the, fandom without saying twenty eight to three. The Falcons are lots ruined me. It, that that was really the nail in whatever I had left in the fan uh, fan <laughs> life. That was Gosh. the nail in the fan coffin. But let's just I still say, have hope. Let's Save say Darnold, baby. Yeah, well, you should. But it's exciting, and I do get excited. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. let's say the Falcons start ten and two. You think that does anything for me? No, it doesn't because it's all about winning Jeez. a Super Bowl. Seriously. It's like a tolerance that you've built. It, you you know what? That's an excellent analogy. It is true. In 2000, I would have killed for a 9-7 and seven season. Yeah. Or did. They were 9-6-1, and one, I believe. And I loved it for the for the Falcons in 2002. But, you know, now it's about winning the Super Bowl. It's so my it, Patriots fans. They, they win the Super Bowl or, or just barely don't win it, and, and they're miserable. It's I, a failed season. You don't absolutely win the Super Bowl for think, them. It's a tolerance thing. The Jets could go nine and seven this year, edge into a wild card spot. I'd be giddy. One thing um, that I question all the time, though, is it a is it the being jaded from being you know now a, a broadcaster, somewhat of a broadcaster, or or getting <laughs> being older and having different you know when you're single and fifteen. I mean, the only thing that mattered in my life was that Met schedule. Sure. I didn't care about anything else. It's not school, not not anything. So you get older, you get married, you have a different life now. So is getting older is that a part of I it? I think there is it, it depends the on where you are in your life and how much time you could dedicate to it and, and how emotionally involved you get and allow yourself to get. Uh, right, but, but but we do this for a living, so we're around it every day. I mean, and we're probably not as emotionally involved because if I was emotionally involved in this team every day all year, <laughs> yeah. I'd lose my freaking mind, <laughs> which I almost have over the course of this year. But uh, yeah, it, it again, it, we're, we're going to focus on the big picture and, and some different things probably. But uh, let's grab some more Mets calls here, real quick. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Speed round here, Joe and Hershey. What's up, Joe? Hey, Pete. Hey, Sal. How you doing? What's up, Joe? Um, I agree with Sal 100%. Um, the Mets have to make a big splash. They have to get a guy like Machado uh, to change the image of this franchise. It's a losing franchise. I will never trade Syndergaard nor DeGrom 
You could build around them. I would package Wheeler with um, uh, Rosario or uh, another prospect, uh, trade him to the Marlins for a Riamuto for the catcher, then get a backup, backup catcher. We, need it. we haven't been strong up the middle for years. We need a center fielder. Forget about Lagares. He's, he's soft. Uh, Nimmo is, not an, is proving he's not an everyday player. He's a good player, but he's a good fourth outfielder. We why is that a bad three weeks? Well, let's let it play no, out. No, no, no. But there's a reason why he's been in the minors though for so long. And I'm not. I like Nimmo. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I love his energy and everything. But I would have him as my number four. But right now, fill him in. As far as Dominic Smith is concerned, we have nothing to lose. Throw him in first base. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, based you know I'm watching baseball a long time. I don't think he's anything. I think the Mets have a history, uh, especially the Wilpons of overhyping. But find out for sure. You know, Smith is an overhyped prospect. Rosario, you know, you give him time, I think he's going to be a really good player. I really do. He just has no plate discipline whatsoever. He's, he's sloppy and in the field, too. He's right. all over the place. That Yankee series, he was terrible yeah. this weekend, and then he played really well against San Diego at times this week. He, he's just all over the map of late, it feels like. And I'm definitely getting Machado, but it's not going to happen because it's not in the Will Pond <laughs> DNA to do it. So as a 54-year Mets fan, what do I have to wait another 30-something years for them to win when I'm 90? I mean, this is crazy. Start eating salads, Joe. <laughs> live healthy. Yeah. we got to live a clean life. Uh, you know, I, it's a bad spot they're in right now. And, and listen, the fan base was skeptical of, of this team going into this year. Right. And then they started 11-1. and uh, they, they made believers of some, not all. And... It's part of what has made the fall so devastating, and you see the window closing as well. I don't think it's shut, but it becomes harder to open that back up in a way where you could feel confident walking into next year or the year after. Hey, these are the division champs, and you know, especially when you look at Philly and Atlanta, this division's getting tougher. Juan Soto in Washington. Uh, the Nationals might not have this precipitous fall just because Bryce Harper's going to leave. It, it, to me, it, it's pretty if simple. It, it just comes down to, do you want to compete yeah. or don't you? I mean, it's very simple. The Phillies, you know what they're doing? They're competing. The Phillies are going to go out there. They're going to try to sign Manny Machado. Mm-hmm. The Mets are going to sit on their hands. I mean, the Phillies are going to be aggressive. Then there's no point, Pete, for UI to discuss what they should do or not because they're not going to try to win. And if you're not trying to win, and that hasn't been something that I've experienced a lot, but it has been the case with the Mets since about 2010, 2011. Remember, we went through those years, 11, 12, 13, 14, where they weren't trying. That wasn't the main priority. They were in evaluation mode. They were letting some bad contracts go. And then they started to build back up. And now just two years after the success, not even, last year was a year after their you know wild card birth, it's back to, well, okay, maybe they should rebuild again. No, you yeah. can't do that. It should always be about trying to win. That should be the priority. 800-321-0710. Uh, we'll take more of your calls. And you know, are you as down on this Mets team? as it sounds like the fan base is right now and as I think you know we've expressed to some degree uh, over the course of you know the last hour and a half but uh, we'll continue taking your calls and I want to dive into just like what fandom is in 2018 I, I I've been thinking a lot about this of late okay. and I really think it is a remarkable thing that is is part of your being and it's so much deeper than just wearing a Mets hat or wearing a Mets jersey and going to a game once Agreed. in a while and it's why people care so much especially with this fan base and you're not going to find a more passionate fan base than Mets fans we've experienced that firsthand just doing this show over the last uh, five years here uh, some more calls coming up Sports Zone Pete McCarthy Sal Licata on The Voice of New York 710 WOR back in the WOR Sports Zone here's Pete McCarthy and guest co-host Sal Licata Let's rip through some Mets calls here. 800-321-0710 on uh, another busy day for the Amazons. Uh, of course, you want a Cespedes done for the season. Ralph in Manhattan, what's your uh, take on Cespedes, Ralph? Well, do you think the memo's out that you don't um, give a king's ransom to a guy with a questionable attitude? I mean, with a guy that doesn't care to be on the baseball field? He's hurt. I mean, I, I, know, you don't, I know you don't feel that way, Pete. I know I'm making a broad statement, Sal. And you may think differently, but when a guy, when you go to a guy and you ask him, you say, uh, when are you coming back? Are you in a hurry to come back? 
And he replies, he says, it doesn't matter when I come back. It won't make any difference. The team's down the tubes anyway. I'm paraphrasing. But that's just about what he said. Mm-hmm. I, I have to feel that he's taking his money like a bandit. Did three doctors running. say he needed surgery? Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the th- I know that. I know the f- – and, and by the way, the foot um, is a is an essential – a part of an athlete's body that can't be uh, denied. It's, it's definitely uh, crucial. But what I'm saying, at that point in time, he's coming back, keeping his mouth shut about the foot. We don't know what the hell's going on. And he's asked a question where you need a statement by the guy that's that's very positive, very uh, with some leadership quality behind it, and you can't get it. That's not a guy that you hand $30 million He's not a leader. And, and, and they knew that. They knew yeah. that, Ralph. They knew he had heel issues. Now, to what degree, maybe they didn't but they knew he was a questionable at best clubhouse presence and we have seen you know we've seen the bad part of you on Cespedes and, and that quote that Ralph's talking about was was a specific oh, bad it's terrible yeah and 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 sound be one more time one more before I before I take off um I, I love David Wright always have um some will if you approach a med fan they'll say what David Wright is doing is ridiculous I'm not saying that I'm just saying that that's what the general consensus is when people are approached about. You mean he's still with the Mets? You mean he's still rehabbing? You mean all these things are said. I would love somebody to have a one-on-one with David and ask him what, what is his motivation right now when he knows that his career is over. He, he has to know his career is over, guys. It's a good idea, Ralph. Hey, Ray, why don't you call the Mets and ask him if we could get David on. Pete and I will talk to him here, do a one-on-one. We'll get the pop right up, and uh, we'll get that interview for you. Well, he's talked a little bit about you know just this, and I think he feels he, he owes it to the organization to to get back on the field, do everything he can to get back on the field. He still wants to play. Well, that's the thing. Forget about the organization or anything else. It's not about the money with him. He's happy with his contract. I get it. But David Wright, the thing he loves to do most in this world, was taken from him. He wants to play baseball, and that is why he's going out there trying to make that happen at least one last time. So I do give him credit for that, and I do respect him for that. I would love to talk to him about it. And I know it's come out, and there's been different articles written, and he's talked a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, but we haven't had a chance to talk to him, and I, I would love to just to get a feel for it um, as we get a little bit closer, potentially to maybe seeing him. Uh, you hope at least one last time before he, you know, finally decides to retire. And by the way, for fans, the money's guaranteed. The guy's getting paid. He's not stealing money from well, the I Mets guess, here. He's guess, guaranteed a contract. I guess if he retired, right, he'd give some of that back. Now he would. Why? He would. Why do should that. he? He earned that money. No, no, I'm saying though, right? But but the argument is, well, he's only hang, you know, he's only sticking with it so he could get the rest of the contract, the money that is guaranteed to him. If he walks away, he's not going to get that. So he's he getting gets... the money no matter what. No, no. If he walked away and retired, I don't think he gets that money. Why would he walk away? And... If he was going to lose the money, what? Who... Who amongst us is just walking away from nobody sixty million dollars? Like what? What are people asking here? And that's not realistic an option. You think Major League Baseball Players Association is going to allow David Wright to walk away no. from sixty million dollars? No, because he's to hurt. Is ha- a legit injury? It would have to be the Prince Fielder situation, right? Where he was basically forced to retire. He got his full contract because he was forced to retire due to injury. That's mm-hmm. what it would have to be with Wright. Yeah. They're not at that point yet. I'm not, this is not to me. I don't think it's a money grab he's getting at all. The, Prince Fielder got paid, right? Yeah. So David Wright's going to get paid no matter what. So well, he's not stealing money here. He's not hurting the organization by trying to come back. Now, they've made, uh, you know, they went out, got a third baseman this offseason in Todd Frazier. Maybe it wasn't the best you know, selection based on how Todd has played thus far, but they finally filled that position. It did hurt them previous years where they were afraid to go out and get a real third baseman. But at this point, they don't plan on him being a part of the team. If he does something, great. But he's not. This idea that he's stealing money from the Mets is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, who says he's stealing well, money from the Mets? This is, this is what you know. Some fans right. think like, oh, he should give the money back to the Mets, and then they'll have more money to spend yeah, to be a no. team player. Like. Doesn't, what doesn't work world like, are you living in? <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't work he like that. He earned this money. I thought you were talking about the people who want him to just retire and walk away from the contract, which also would not be the right thing to do. Like you said, the Players Association would never let that happen, nor should he. If he felt like he couldn't play anymore and he thought that, that was the right thing to do, then they should come to some kind of agreement. Obviously, they're not there yet. David still feels like he could do something and perform and go out there. Kevin in Connecticut. What's up, Kevin? Hey, guys, what's going on? I mean, it's kind of a moot point with David Wright. They're getting 75% back in yeah. the uh, insurance. So he's getting his money, you know. I mean, it, you know, we all wish it turned out better. But all I know is the day he retires, uh, the first game afterward they should retire his number. And, 
put it right next to Piazza and not have to wait five years or whatever they did. I agree. I, I don't know about that. I would retire, David. I, I guess, but yeah. for different reasons than Piazza. You're doing it more because he's a good guy, face of the franchise. You're not well, doing it because well, it's a lifetime met. Right, well, which yeah, isn't in, in and of itself, but right. is it, it lifetime met that put up great numbers? He's less than Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame level that thus far has been retired. You, but you think you think he deserves it more than you know? Let's say Straw, Doc, Hernandez, yes. Carter, any of those eighty-six men? Yes, really? Yes. yes. Well, they never. Well, they never left, right? I mean, David Wright never left, right? Mm-hmm. So then, what? He never won a World Series either. He wasn't as good as right, right. Daryl well, Strawberry or Dwight Good. When everything was bleak and everything was dark, and we're talking about burning Madoff and never spending another nickel. David Wright could have bailed out. He could have requested for a, a trade or. Demand. All right. So my point is, it's a it's a different it's a different reason than retiring a number because of caliber player. That's my my right. my point. Right. Well, well, look, it's all mixed look, together. David Wright. Look, I mean, let's. I mean, he didn't have the longevity, but you could put five years of David Wright's career up against almost any third baseman in in the history of baseball. I mean, uh, I, know, I don't know about that. He had tremendous peak. Well, look. Yeah, you got to look at it. Uh, no, no. I, 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 look, I don't have to look at it. I mean, there are a bunch of third basemen before David Wright's time that you can't. David Wright can't even compare to. I mean, uh, I have a tough time saying he's a well, great all time met on a five year basis. I mean, he's not an all time uh, like the all time best third baseman over five years, but he isn't. He was in a Hall of Fame class. He, he was on a Hall of Fame pace at the time that. Uh, the injuries piled up, and he had all these back problems, and you got to think so much of it is related to the the spinal stenosis. Now, did he have five? What was his rookie year? Right, oh four, oh five. I think it was oh three, oh three. So he had no. He would have come up oh four. Okay, so oh four, he came up. So his first full season was oh five. That sounds right. Um, well, you have his numbers there. I know. Yeah, he had, I know he had a great two thousand six, seven, and eight. And it was downhill after that, if yeah, I'm not so mistaken. Came up 04, first full season 05, 19th in MVP voting. Top 10 in MVP voting in 6, 7, and 8. Uh, top 10 in MVP voting in 2012. And he got some votes in 2010 So, as well. But there was a the fall off after, when City Field came, that was the end, basically, of David Wright. Yes. What did he do in, in 2005? Because I know in, in 6, 7, 8, he was really power and ribbies. What was he in, um, and average, for that matter? What was he in 05? 2005, 306 average, 388 on base, 523 slugging. So he's almost How a 300, homers? 400, 500 guy. How That's many what homers? you're looking for. Uh... Twenty-seven. Yeah, see, he had, so, so 05, 6, 7, 8. So he had four... Fantastic years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not enough to compare him to all time great third baseman. Is it enough to say he's the best third baseman in Mets franchise history? I mean, I'm sure. And I know you look at all the Mets leading numbers. He's there because he's been yeah. somewhat of a compiler. But I mean, it's been now ten years since David Wright has had a real good year. What was he? Two, you said 2000? 2012. He had yeah. a very good season as well. What was that? What were the numbers? Twenty one homers, ninety three RBIs, three oh six average, four ninety two slugging. All right. Oh total package, to your point before total package, I could see you wanting to retire Wright's number. Yeah. I understand he didn't win a World Series. I understand he's not, not even, gonna be a Hall of Famer, but Well, it's not even that though. Forget about the World Series. You think David Wright is as good a player as Carlos Beltron? Overall? Or yeah. or at peak? Overall. Oh, as a Met? But yeah, as a Met, fine. But overall. Well, Carlos Beltran is a Hall of Famer. David Wright isn't. Correct. So that's, so, a, that's a, a delineation I will make. Well, that's kind of my point is that there are better players. We know Piazza's a Hall of Famer, right? We know that Beltran's a Hall of Famer. Um, I, you know, David Wright's a great Met, but he's not that, but that caliber But that's player. what the retired number of a Met is about. It's about what you did with the Mets. It's not about what Carlos Beltran did in Kansas City and think, Houston and St. Louis. What do you think Beltran, a better Met, Wright or Beltran? Right. Overall, and and part of that is compiling. Well, because I, I love Beltron as a Met. Beltron oh seven eight. And Beltron probably, had five really good years with the Mets on a seven. I know. Oh no, I'm sorry. Oh six, oh seven, oh eight at least. Because oh five, he first got here. We better. hit the break. We'll solve it. We'll come back and let you know who is better. Sports Zone, Pete McCarthy, Salicata on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R.